Welcome to The Loaded Goat, where we don't throw rocks. I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And I do throw rocks sometimes. I am an excellent rock skipper. Oh, I mean, you were talking about throwing them on water. You don't throw them at people or through people. I don't, I don't throw them at people anymore. But also, you know, this is actually getting me to a point. We're getting into the deep stuff so fast here. In the, you know, the opening of the Andy Griffith show, we watch Opie throw a rock into water, but not mm-hmm. into a home. So there's a theme here. Yeah. Maybe we should clarify we don't throw rocks at people or property. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, because I mean, as they'd say in the show, I mean, a, a rock throwing turns into a good old, it can turn into a good old fashioned stoning if you're not careful. That's true. And I, I, I am not in favor. I disprove of that action. I do too. So today we're doing Mountain Wedding. It's the introduction of Ernest T. Bass, who is one of the more iconic characters on the Andy Griffith show. It's his kind of comes out of the gate swinging or as we can or better yet throwing rocks and shooting guns you've talked about him before i'm sure it's come up that name sounded so familiar but we've never actually right no this is our first time seeing him we've we've discussed him in the realm of wild characters and memorable characters on the show because he makes a pretty you're watching this for the first time he he makes his mark pretty fast wouldn't you agree oh yeah totally yeah any opening thoughts on this i thought ernest t bass was a lot like you now, this episode feels like something we'd done before. It felt like a feud is a feud and then kind of a rehash on obviously the episodes with the darlings. I struggled with kind of having an interest in it. Did you? I did. That's okay. So we'll see what I forgot. <laughs> we'll see what you forgot. I felt like it maybe took a feud as a feud in some of the darling pieces or the previous darling episode and did everything better is kind of what I thought. Okay. I would agree. I would agree with that. Yeah. So let's dive in. We open with Andy and Barney watching the grocer paint price deals on his window, which is something you don't see today because they found a more efficient way to do this. But I have to imagine that took up quite a bit of time in 1963. I do also think it was a nice storefront aesthetic. Yeah, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. And of course, Barney's standing over him saying a man's working. And of course, when Barney does this, he's the one who ends up getting the man frazzled and it causes him to smudge his paint. Mm hmm. But Andy sees Briscoe Darling's truck and goes inside the jail to find him there. When Barney comes in, he explains why Barney doesn't know who Briscoe is and says he was at a he was on a bus trip with his mom to with Charlotte. His yeah. <laughs> with his mother to Charlotte, which sounds sounds like a wonderful trip. The um, you just did a trip with your mother. Did I did. I did. We saw. Well? No, my. <laughs> you're gonna bring this up on the uh, mother's on the, lovely. On the podcast, of course, my mother's lovely. We went to see a funny girl in New York. We had a very good time. I'm just talking about taking a bus to Charlotte with a relative. Just sounds like it might not be the greatest trip. Okay. All right. Just yeah. trying to make sure. I was just defending your mother. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate you you using this forum to delve in on things. Well, it's why we have it. Yeah. So he explains why Barney doesn't know who Briscoe is. And this is actually one of a rare moment in this series where there's actually a focus on continuity. Yeah, I th- was shocked by this. Because this is like yeah. what your whole argument to everything I've said to you about this show is the TVs were small and had bad resolution, so they didn't care about continuity. <laughs> That's not exactly what I said. But I'm glad we should really work on our active listening. What I said was... I said maybe on the actual visuals, they did not worry about it that much, I think. But to your point, they watched this on a week to week basis and maybe didn't worry about people remembering what something that happened earlier and like six months ago. Yeah. 
So anyway, the point being, they, they discussed this and Ernest T. Bass, what turns out Ernest T. Bass is not taking to Dud and Charlene being married. And he's yelling at her in the night, yelling for her in the night and throwing rocks through their windows, which this sounds um, very unpleasant. And it does. I also, though, struggle with this whole premise that what do they they are letting their relationship be defined by someone else's perspective. And in a couple, you don't need to do that because their own relationship. And it does. You know, it's a little bit of like, who cares what the haters say? I don't think this is much about having their relationship defined as it is about harassment. I would agree with that. Yeah, that's kind of my take. And, and do you think harassment's okay? No, I don't think harassment's okay. okay. I, just, I just wanted to just confirm where we were headed in this conversation. I mean, you know, Aaron doesn't tra- like traveling with his mother, and he sees all in favor of. I'm on a roll today. You better you better wrap this up soon. Yeah, I mean, we're just done. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> Check us out on Apple 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 Podcasts. Yeah. All right. So they say they thought about killing him, but that might seem too extreme. Which makes me actually wonder, like, if you really are, a, if there really are mountain men like the Darlings, and some dude is harassing them like that. There would have been a time where I think they would have just killed him. Oh, 100 percent. I thought yeah. that was a nice touch that they had to put in the episode. Yeah. Andy says, OK, yeah, we'll help you out. We'll be up in the morning. And it turns out they'll have to cross the Robert E. Lee Natural Bridge, which is an oak tree that fell in a shallow <laughs> spot in the creek. And later at early that morning at the jail, it's four o'clock. Barney is sound asleep when Andy comes in to get him up to go travel to the Darlings. I love alarm, this is the best scene of the yeah. episode, I think. An alarm clock won't wake him up. A whistle won't wake him up. I mean, this goes on for probably two minutes, I'd say. Yeah, it's a long time. And, yeah. And Andy then snaps his fingers and Barney's up and ready to go. Gotta do is snap your fingers and I'm up. There you go. So the Darling's cabin is set in Decker Canyon in California, and that's where a lot of the exterior shots were taken on the show. And it's daylight when they make it to the Darling's, and they get out and they hear music, and so they just head in the direction of music. They come to the Darling's cabin to find them all playing. They say hello, and in comes Dud to say hi. It turns out he was looking for Ernest T, but he'd heard that Ernest T had gone off into the woods to kill a mockingbird. You don't get much lower than that. I thought that was a beautiful line. Yeah. I mean, and the book had come out in 1960 and the movie in 1962. So this was a direct reference to, to that. Got it. Got it. And they agree to wait for Ernest T and Andy. Is that and, one of our first external pop culture references? I mean, they do mention actors all the time when they're talking about going to see them in the picture shows. Okay. All right. Yeah. My bad. So they, yeah. No, I mean, I'm just saying they do. They agree to wait for <laughs> You are saucy today, I have to say. <laughs> they agree to wait for Ernest T, and the darlings invite Andy to play with them. They suggest never hit your grandmother with a great big stick, but that would make Charlene cry, so they play Dooley. <laughs> and it's a fun number. And once they wrap up, a rock comes through the window with a note from Ernest T telling Charlene he loves her. And then Roscoe spots him in the bushes, and Ernest T comes out with a rifle and scares Barney and causes him to drop his pistol. He's played by Howard Morris, and this is actually one of the first of his five appearances as Ernest T. Bass. I mean, for a guy who only appears in this show five times as that character, he really makes his mark. And in fact, he actually, Howard Morris actually directed eight episodes of the show. So that's more than he 
more times than he appeared as an actor, but he's oh, really? very memorable. Yeah. Did, okay. Did he direct what he would act? I haven't looked that detailed into it. I don't know if he did. It doesn't, well, I don't think there's any indication of somebody actually directing the shows that they appeared in, but at least with this one. And it turns out he was, he kind of, I mean, he, you know, you would think you watch him act and you're like, oh, he must where you grow up. Appalachia, I mean, he just kind of just pulls it off seamlessly, but he actually went to NYU to uh, study drama and he hated guns, but he went with that, went with that approach. Oh, maybe is he a graduate of the Tisch School? I don't know. I don't know why I know this, but I do think that's the name of the acting school at NYU. Oh, okay. Good to know. Tisch, Tisch. Tisch, Tisch. Andy picks it up and picks up, well, actually, so I was going to say, when he causes Barney to drop his pistol, Andy picks up the pistol and pulls out a copy cool of the Cool as a cucumber. Cool as a cool. Oh, yeah. Barney, I mean, it's just, you know, a hot mess. And so uh, he shows Ernest T. the merit copy of the marriage license. And Ernest T. says he won't see it as valid unless the wedding was done by a preacher, which... You know, you kind of think, well, what is Ernest T a religious man? And you're like, no, he's just buying time, it turns out, as we find out throughout the show. But Andy like, says, okay. Don't, don't you think you'd be like, you know, would a knuckle sandwich make it valid or something like that? You know, would you want to go hand to hand with Ernest T, even if you're Andy Taylor? Yeah, I think Andy's smoking. You think? Yeah. I don't I don't think so. I think Ernest T is you don't know what Ernest T is going to do. Yeah, it's I can not see like. That. But like, see how he ran, you know, like, I, I just think that he's a little bit all over the place, which maybe that make him a good fighter. But if you could just contain him in one spot, you could, you know, get his hands together. And then he's I done. think Ernest T would be the type of guy if you got him into a fight and you had you thought you pinned him down, he'd be the type of person who would bite your nose off. I think he's okay. that kind of I think he's that crazy. <laughs> OK, that, that's my feeling about Ernest okay. T. Bass. I All would right. not want any part of dealing with him. But Andy goes ahead and just kind of doesn't call his bluff. He says, okay, we'll get the circuit preacher to come in and we'll have him here to, to do the wedding the next day. And so Ernest T takes this as being hopeful. He runs off into the woods saying he's still got 24 hours to court Charlene and the three pontificate on the type of person Ernest T is. And right before we go to commercial, Barney just says that he has the most forward i mean basically the most obvious line he's like i think he's a nut and then we go to commercial with barney is absolutely right yeah completely so during this break we'll take a moment to hear from another podcast that you may be interested in listening to attention podcast listeners and youtube watchers i'm logan the host of mostly superheroes a weekly pursuit for the world's best stories with an emphasis on live action superhero stuff Every week, join me, PC Mike, The Giggler, Scotty Scoop, and Carrie as we talk MCU, DCU, books, TV, movies, and more. MostlySuperheroes.com is where you want to be. Watch us on YouTube, listen where you get your podcasts, and we'll see you Monday, Sunday on Patreon. Enjoy the rest of the show. So now that we're in the break, we are going to break down the biggest troublemakers in pop culture history. Christopher, this was a pretty easy list for me to compile. How about you? I and yes, it wasn't the easiest I've done, but it did come to me well. All right. Well, I will go first. At number five, we have Dennis the Menace. Okay. He's a menace. Had his, had his own comic, had his own TV show, had his own movie, actually, in the in the 90s. I believe I don't know, I think Macaulay Culkin did not play Dennis the Menace. Did he play Dennis I the Menace? I don't believe so. I don't believe he did either. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't recognize the kid that played. I think Justin. he played Rich. He played Richie Rich. He, didn't he was definitely Justin. Richie Rich. Yeah. Yeah. 
At the top of my, or five for me is Annie and Haley from The Parent Trap. I would also uh, add the layer of Lindsay Lohan also being a troublemaker. I can't speak to uh, Haley Mills, but. I, I think Haley Mills was pretty even keel, but I mean, were they really troublemakers? I mean, I feel like, and because I, I can make, I can argue this. I mean, they were basically told that they didn't, they were only children being raised and then they find out they had sister they found yeah. out they had a twin sister i feel like they just took matters into their own hands i think they did but they were a little troublemakers like i met you know when they put meredith onto the you know onto the lake in the mat- floating mattress while she was sleeping that's a troublemaker thing but they yeah. were justified in their actions and that's why they're number five not number one yeah you don't want to be you don't want to be a potential love interest with those two daughters around that's for sure no Number four, I have Newman from Seinfeld. Okay. I respect I mean, that. Newman just is, as um, as Jerry said, I've looked into his eyes. He's pure he's evil. evil. <laughs> pure evil. <laughs> Which I don't think he's pure evil, but he definitely is always wreaking havoc on that he show. Is. I have Tim Riggins, and he's just Friday Night Lights, 33. He's a little bit of a tortured soul. He ends up, you know, going to jail. But cause he through some missteps often finds himself in trouble yeah i think that's fair number three for me is junior from problem child you probably have never seen the problem child movies but they were he was probably as far as comedies about bad seed children he took the cake for at least in the 90s okay all right i would also so kind of a newer reference here that i try you know i don't know the siblings in bloodline did you watch this on netflix I have not. I've heard it's good, though. It is great. They all just cause all sorts of problems for each other, left and right. And, you know, you can't really elevate one over the other. Kind of changes from season to season. I see. Good to know. Number two for me is Loki from the Avenger series. I don't know it. Oh. Tom Hiddleston, he basically plays the brother of Thor. There's more to him than he's just than just being pure evil, but he's and he's his character has kind of a definite progression, but he, at his core, he is a troublemaker. All right. All right. I've got the Three Stooges. I think that's a good one. Thank you. Are we talking about the original three? Larry, Curly, Moe, and Larry. I'm leaving yeah. Shemp to be. Yeah. Shemp, I remember, you remember when you were, did you go to the library and they'd show the three old Three Stooges movies when you were a kid or serials when you were a kid? No, not at the library, but I watched them a lot when I was little. I just remember when they'd come on and it would, if it wasn't Curly and it was like Shemp or, or Joe Besser or Curly Joe, you'd always be like, oh, this, you know, this is just, oh, this, is, this is not going to be what I'm looking for. I'll go read a book instead. It's that bad. Exactly. Exactly. Number one for me is Jonah Ryan from Veep. Oh, very, very good choice. Yeah. I've got a similar S character. I've got Maury Povich from The Maury Show. Just because of all the paternity tests? He's so, yeah. He creates habit. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is his father was considered to be one of the more preeminent journalists in the D.C. area. I mean, the Shirley Povich uh, Media Center at Nationals Park is named after him. I mean, it's oh, really? just crazy. Yeah. And he was a jur- I mean, he was a considered to be a very strong journalist earlier in his career. And then you had a current affair. And then basically after that, you just saw him running. Up, it was always him running upstairs, hugging women who's, who don't. <laughs> Who turned out their, their who they thought was the father was not the father. No, he really pursued his passions. Yeah. So after the break, Andy and Barney are sleeping at the Darling household, and it is just a cacophony of loud snoring. This is really funny. 
I mean, they try to turn them over on their sides to get them to quit snoring. It works until they all roll over on their backs and start snoring again. And apparently this was very tough to film because so many people kept busting out laughing as they were trying to film this scene. Oh, really? Yeah. They're sleeping in small beds. That poor brother that's in the middle of the full bed. Oh, yeah. No, I, I'm always a little bit. That's the, when they talk about that, I'm like, I, I would just, you know, when they talk about living in the mountains, I was like, I still would feel like I need my own room in my own bed. Yeah. Yeah. So Ernest T throws a rock through the window and wakes them up. They yell back and forth and Ernest T starts throwing rocks, especially after Barney gets involved. I mean, he's just they're coming from all sides. Andy says they need to let Ernest T say what he has to say. So Charlene goes to the window and Ernest T brings out a metal can to serenade her with old Aunt Maria. It's not moving at all. He then wants to sing Eaton Goober tough. piece. Yeah, it it's tough. really tough. He then wants to sing Eaton Goober piece to her, but she declines. And so Ernest T then implies that they are not going to end up having a wedding. And you weren't, you're not 100% sure what he means. And then he says they haven't seen the last of Ernest T. Bass and chucks another rock through the window. And so the next morning, they're getting ready for the wedding. And Charlene comes out in her wedding dress, and she looks very pretty. Gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. Looked just like her mother. Yeah. Yeah. As, as Briscoe says, Ernest T. throws a rock through the window with a note. basically. All but saying he's going to kidnap Charlene. And Andy says he has an idea and we go to the wedding. And Charlene, I say that with air quotes, is standing next to Dud with her veil down. And seems to have a very, very slender frame. <laughs> very slender. Yeah, a very, very slender frame. But the preacher who is played by Dub Taylor starts the proceedings and Ernest T. Bass starts shooting his guns. Sue shooting his gun. And he tells them to put their hands up and he takes off with who he thinks is Charlene. And when they're gone, Charlene comes out from behind the tree and they proceed with the wedding. And Ernest T has his bride and says she's his now. And he needs to tell her that she loves him. And the veil comes up and we see that it's Barney who says he wouldn't marry him if he was the last man on earth. And we cut to the preacher declaring they're married. Briscoe and Andy say they're worried about Barney, who comes running out of the woods with Ernest T chasing them, and we go to commercial. I like that. I like that visual of Barney running down with Ernest T behind. Ernest yeah. T went straight this time. He wasn't, yeah. you know, driving and jogging. You just don't know what we're going to, um, what Ernest T's going to do. You don't want to mess with Ernest T. Mm-mm. Do you know of another character like that that you always say his middle initial, Ernest T? I mean, there was. You remember the Ernest movies? Yeah. He was known as Ernest P. World, but I never referred to him as Ernest P. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I was just thinking about the Ernest movies today. Yeah. Well, he's always referred to him. They always refer to him as Ernest T. So it was uh, in the show. but And so that's why I've always referred to him as that. But, you know, I will tell you one of my, I think my favorite Ernest movie is probably Ernest Goes to Camp. Oh, okay. But have you ever seen Ernest Goes to Jail? I have. Yes. I mean, so it cracks me up. Like, you know, there's the other character. There's the bad guy at the jail named Mr. Nash, who looks exactly like Ernest. And Ernest gets picked for jury duty. And I do think it is just hilarious that he walks around for that first part of the movie, just so honored and so touched that he's been selected to be a juror. (laughs) I, I don't remember it as well as you do. I like that. Yeah. 
And then, of course, you know, chaos ensues. Yes. So in the epilogue, Briscoe is telling Dud and Ernest T to make peace. They shake hands and Ernest T tells Dud that if he's bad to Charlene, he'll get the lady sheriff on him. And they turn to Barney, who for some reason is still still sitting in that dress. And um, Everett Greenbaum, said, who, wrote, who co-wrote this episode, says they got the idea from Some Like It Hot. Oh, really? Yeah. Funny. So they start to play a song for Dud and Charlene to dance to. And Ernest T tries to get Barney to dance as we go to commercial. I like that a lot. I was surprised that they, you know, let Ernest T stay at the reception. But... I'm glad that he did come around and it proved that Andy was effective in stopping the harassment through unconventional means. We sh- I should say again, I do not support. <laughs> <laughs> so what, how many whistles would you give this? Five. Five? You give it five? Yeah. I'm just saying we're coming off some fun episodes. I'm comparing this to dogs, dogs, dogs. Yeah. No. This is one of the... For Mandy Griffith fans, this is one of the more beloved episodes. Well, I am sorry to be the leader of counterculture within the movement. I see. Okay, well, that's that's. I don't know if I'd say you're being the leader of counterculture, but okay, you're. It's your opinion. You're Thank entitled you. to it. This is probably where we're going to see the biggest schism, maybe in the whole of our whole whistling. What are you? What are yours? I'm going to give it nine. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Any final thoughts? No, we didn't end in a good place. We didn't start in a good place. We didn't end in a good place here. No, we didn't. It's no, we didn't. No, we didn't. And you know, I blame who I blame for this. Me, you. Yes. <laughs> so thanks for listening. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you think about it, subscribe. Next week we close out season three with the Big House. And until then, Christopher, you're a nut. Oh. Do, 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 do.